Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. If you have anything left after you might have burned away a lot of it on Valentine's Day, I don't know. When you get the whatever pixie dust you have left from Valentine's Day, hopefully you have plenty left over or maybe you generated some you at least have lots of happiness so you have your happy thoughts of valentine's day so you can fly away to neverland with me jeremy the head lost boy around here that's also called the spider pan and also the lost me. boy known as the eric hello the eric the eric the I'm yet, eric I, I, i'm retlaw well yes retlaw but Retlaw, come on the retlaw the uh, eric the retlaw eric the retlaw now that sounds like a viking eric the red law there we go. There you go. <laughs> By law, you are bred. I don't know. As long okay, as I'm an you... in-law and not an outlaw. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Indian outlaw. Half Cherokee and Cherokee. Okay, never mind. That's a really, really dumb old country song that jumped in my head. Okay. Well, well, we'll just ignore that that happened, but I'll leave it in the show because why edit out my silliness? Because some people think we're funny. So... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All Thank three you. of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Try the deal. Well, one kind of cool thing that happened on Valentine's Day is Paige O'Hara is uh, over at the uh, Festival of the Arts down in Walt Disney World. And apparently she paid a visit on The Beast. uh, And there's some photos that were taken. It's kind of a nice little photo off of Paige O'Hara, who, if you all didn't know, is the voice of Belle. True, but a bit alarming. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So that would have been a really cool thing. And I guess she's hanging out there and she's signing some things. So I don't know how long she's sticking around for the Festival of the Arts, but try to go and meet Paige O'Hara if you happen to be down there. So, yeah, that was kind of a wild, crazy, weird week. 
But uh, oh, hey, we've been doing some rebranding. So oh, we have. Yes, uh, a while back, I I altered in Libsyn our our title. So instead of just the Neverland podcast, I wanted to kind of explain what it is we do a little bit. And so I, you know, really, you know, plus I've noticed there's other people trying to call themselves a Neverland podcast that are about hypnotism and stuff. I've, I've found some weird stuff that's I gone on. We seem to be us and Skywalking through Neverland are the two originals of Neverland. So yeehaw for us, but I thought we needed more. So I've actually rebranded on as Neverland. And then of course, is it a colon or semicolon? That's two dots. I don't know, but uh, it's Neverland to Disney and beyond, because I think that encompasses the fact that we do talk a lot of course Disney, but we go mm-hmm. outside. We go a little beyond Disney. Uh, so I, I, I rebranded that within Libsyn, and immediately that went into Apple Podcasts and a lot of other places. Uh, so if you were looking for us on iTunes to leave a review, which by the way, if you haven't, please do. Uh, you look for us under Neverland to Disney and Beyond. So in the course of things throughout the, the week, I went through on YouTube. I have a personal channel, and I also have the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel. I figured out how to rebrand and rename the titles. So now on YouTube, we are Neverland to Disney and Beyond, which I realize I have enough of a following there that I'm allowed to personalize our YouTube address. So if you go to YouTube, you can search for it, you know, or you can just type it in Neverland to Disney and Beyond. And it's really long, I know, but it's there. And of course, on the YouTube, you can find a lot of family friendly content uh, and any game playing that I've been doing, uh, which, you know, like Spider-Man, uh, I will be returning to Kingdom Hearts very soon. I've been meaning to get on it and I keep getting distracted because you need flashes. to get on it. I keep getting shiny objects shining on me when I look at other game stuff I'm like, man, I haven't played that in a long time, but I really want to go play it. It'll only take me a couple hours, right? So I, I got a, I got a perfect shiny object for you. Uh-oh. Kingdom Hearts 3 is filled with shiny objects. Uh, so, you've been playing that one this week, then, huh? I have been. That That's your goal. You need to get through uh, Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2 and maybe about 15 different assorted uh, games that go along with those. Yeah, uh, which are all collected get, in one set, yes, thankfully. Thank, <laughs> yes, thank, thankfully. But uh, believe me, um, it is all leading to Kingdom Hearts 3, which you know it has just got some spectacular visual aspects to it. Lots of shiny things, so go for it. Yes, must get to it, must get to it. So, yes, I will be doing that, but you can find all of that on, of course, the Neverland Podcast YouTube page. Plus, I'm trying to get to where I make a little video of a week of sharing just a little bit of opinion or things I'm observing and want to want to basically inspire your thoughts to share with us of what you think might be going along with uh, different things going on. Some of the videos, if it's... Uh, you know, I, I've got like a second, you know, like my own personal YouTube channel, which I've now rebranded as the Spider Pan. So, you know, oh. it's me, which is the same as my my Twitter account. I have, of course, there's Neverland PCAST. There's also at the Spider Pan on Twitter if you want to follow me individually. And if you want to follow Eric, then he can tell his if he wants to. Oh, it's E double W. But don't ask go. me to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is kind of weird. But if you look through my followers on either one, you'll you'll find them. So, but yes, yep. we are out there on Twitter. We like to be able to talk to you and interact. And we are trying to have some fun. Even on Instagram, I'm posting up some pictures very soon. I need to get back to it. But we were we used to this thing called Marvel Monday where we'd share like an old card, like a Marvel card. 
image. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to get back to doing that. And we'll do that on Instagram, probably also on Twitter. Uh, I try to keep them somewhat different. So if you'd like to follow me both on on Twitter and Instagram, I'll try to make it fun for you. Uh, But we're we're doing all these different things. Now, of course, I want to let everybody know that on my personal YouTube, the Spider Pan, eventually I will have some gameplay of some games that are not quite as family friendly. And I do have some stuff up there now that's kind of a cool game because I like to play a lot of things. But there are a lot of games out there that maybe the language isn't so great or maybe it's a little, shall we say, scary. Uh, so I do have some footage of some stuff that I don't consider Neverland appropriate. So I'm not as family friendly as you would think all the time. I am mostly family friendly, but not every game I play or not every movie I watch is maybe perfect for your little kids. You know, so but I don't I don't really like to do R-rated movies really at all anymore, uh, except for occasionally I go out to one that I'm a little I'm a little geesh over over the top. Like Deadpool was too much. Uh, Logan was also whew, Logan had a good story, but dang. Uh, <laughs> I've now heard Patrick Stewart use Patrick Stewart use language I never would have expected, but I was that curious. was heavy, Doc. Uh, well, yeah, it was way. <laughs> so I do go out to something like even like Blade Runner twenty forty nine had a good story, but I seem like they a lot of unnecessary things that didn't. I don't feel needed to be a part of the movie, but yeah, that's. But if I wanted to talk about something like that, I would do it on the my personal channel because I don't feel it fits what we're trying to do here in Neverland. So I'm not not I'm a, well, I'm a, still a pretty squeaky clean person, but not everything I I not all the media in I intake, I guess, is, is squeaky clean because I still like Resident Evil games and stuff like that. And but Resident Evil has really it's. They, they've pushed into their R-rated envelope, and now even the remake of Resident Evil 2 apparently has a heck of a lot of language, which, like, wow, you know, I remember back when I used to play these, and you didn't have to have F-bombs. So, all right, I'm throwing in my own two cents here. <laughs> As for me, I'm playing uh, the original NES Kirby on my Switch this week, so, yeah. Nice. There's there's the family family friendly uh, aspect. Actually, yeah, I uh, I was able to get myself uh, some good '80s movies this week. I yes. uh, was able to track down the freshly released Blu-ray of uh, Willow, which I watched last night, and just oh man, this is so much fun. I just I enjoy it. I also picked up uh, Uncle Buck and The Great Outdoors, two good classic John Candy movies. And yesterday I went to Goodwill. And I found Time Bandits. Which I've never actually seen. You know, and it's been well over 20 years since I last saw that. Wow. So I I, I find it interesting. In the course of 24 hours, I bought two films which are celebrating little people. (laughs) Which I found amazing. But anyhow, yeah. it was 80s week here at my house this week. Yeah, I've actually been playing a little bit at a time on my NES Classic. I've been playing some Kirby. I don't even remember how far along I am now. The boss fights <laughs> kind of are, are tricky. You gotta get, you know, you gotta get tricky with some of the boss fights. And oh yeah, yeah. So I think I'm like in the third or fourth world, mm. somewhere like that. I don't know. We I pick up every once in a while and just kind of sit. Kirby is supposed to be that non-stressful game where if I just need to relax because it's very very cute. Yeah. But it's challenging at times too. So I'm like, okay, it's too much stress. I'm, you know, then I, I save where I'm at and move on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, between that, um, we, I also, the, the switch just, uh, offered a brand new game for free called Tetris 99. Nice. Where it sets you up against 98 other opponents who are all playing, uh, Tetris at the same time. <laughs> and you can actually target other players and send bricks, uh, to their wall. Oh, wow. And they can do the same to you. So, uh, you know, that, that's that been um, a little interesting to play. I've uh, 
made it up into the top 20 once. Uh, wow. Usually around the top 30 or so. Uh, with some really good players in there. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that. I've been uh, going through Kingdom Hearts 3. The story on that's been not not been quite up to what I expected, but... Uh, you know, I've, I've played through the uh, Toy Story world, which had a really good and interesting point, really tied into the overall story a little bit better than I would have initially expected. Um, talking about how, uh, you know, you've got vessels that have hearts within them. Well, you know, toys are just pieces of plastic. Yeah. And where does that love come from? You know, and especially uh, within that whole world. So it's been interesting to see how that tied into the overall Kingdom Hearts storyline. I'm also just starting the uh, Tangled portion where you end up in the Kingdom of Corona. And uh, I haven't quite met up, uh, or rather, I'll say I haven't teamed up yet with either Flynn or Rapunzel, but I think I'm just about to that point. But yeah, a lot of good there. Um, I'm also thinking about getting back into the Arkham games real soon, uh, as well as I've got a couple of uh, Lego games that I just had sitting off to the side that I really need to work on. I've got the Mm -hmm. Harry Potter collection, and I've got the... um, uh, uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes and Lego Avengers that I still need to dive into. Yeah, I've got Lego Marvel Superheroes that I've, I dabble in every once in a while. I need to sit down on that too. And that is actually also available on the Neverland Podcast uh, or Neverland to Disney and Beyond YouTube channel. You can see some of my footage of playing that. So, which we'll have to get. Eric, can, are you able to, because uh, I know, I guess you can do like short snippets on a Switch. You can save some of your video, but are you able to upload anything on your Switch to or stream anything? You know, the Switch has a uh, YouTube app on it, but I haven't figured out if there's a way to uh, to record it and stream it. Okay. Well, because I actually, I think uh, when I've been diving into YouTube and following this, I think I can actually give you access to the Neverland YouTube channel so you could actually post some videos of what you would like to do as well. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. that way you can share some thoughts on different things going on. And, uh, you know, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to make the YouTube thing a little bit more interesting and, and more interactive. And we'll do, try, I'm working on trying to make, do more things and more videos and more fun and sharing some opinions or looking at and see what opinions are being out there and sharing my thoughts of what this could mean and hopefully getting some conversation started. So I like the, so far we've, I've gotten into, and uh, the, I, I, I feel like I want to add to it because uh, Toy Story 4, it's, I'm starting to feel like it's more of an agenda film and with based on footage that was on Good Morning America Annie Potts was on Good Morning America she had a short clip and they are retconning and if you don't know what retcon means you don't read any comic books I guess but but retcon is where they go back in the past and they add history and stories so they can alter something in the current timeline and they're they're retconning and adding Bo Peep actually having some little adventures and doing some things and there's a clip of her that they've added where she goes out uh, to go and save RC and they have it like, like her and Woody were like this tag team, despite we have at least two movies that she's in where she doesn't do a darn thing. So that's like, they're reinventing the character, but they're trying to retcon it. And I, I, uh, really, if you start a film or a t- television series, even a, just an episode based more on agenda than having a good story, then usually the agenda you'll be pushing will cause the story to be weak and lame. And I've seen it time again, like on Arrow. That's why I quit watching Arrow. They got so much that they were trying to push agendas that they weren't writing good stories anymore. And I think part of it, we've also seen the effects that's happened on the current Star Wars movies that they do have so much agenda really for going into the film that sometimes they're they're leaving out 
out some things that maybe would have made the films better and you wouldn't have such a backlash, even though I'm still having fun with Star Wars because it's Star Wars. I guess I'm a little forgiving maybe, but I'm still having fun with these movies. They're just not as good as I think they could have been, but they're still better than the prequels. Maybe. Well, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> when it comes to Pixar, you know, and, and make no mistake, Pixar has had agenda-based films. You know, WALL-E is the easiest example to think of. But even Monsters Incorporated, where you had the, you know, alternative sources of energy being a, a major factor in the storyline, they still found a way to make uh, those messages come across in a good way, not necessarily pointing the finger at any specific individual, except for maybe the president of by and large, but still... Um, I think, you know, in Pixar's hands, they've got a great team of storytellers, and we've learned to trust them for what they're doing, mm-hmm. for people who don't understand cars in any way notwithstanding. But, uh, you know, I, I, personally, I, I think that this is to help explain why Bo Peep may not have been in Toy Story 3 and why, you know, Woody said that she was no longer with them. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. And yeah, uh, I just know, hope they, I'm happy with it when I see it. I'm mm-hmm. just because uh, it wrapped up so well doing Toy Story 3 that when we heard about Toy Story 4, we wondered, well, why? And now it seems like the reason is that the, uh, as an agenda is the reason and not just we had a really great story idea. Yeah, that, well, that scares me a little. And I understand that. But, you know, I think we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. And, you know, personally, you know, having got two young girls, I like to see, uh, you know, this has been kind of an evolving thing for me, to be honest. But, you know, I like to see more uh, female characters getting out there for them that they can look forward to. And, you know, what it has to be be done right. It has to be done right. Yes. You know, know, I've got my issues with how um, uh, Beauty and the Beast was remade huge issues with that part of that has to do with what they did to kind of retcon Belle's character but you know I can't think of a better uh, role model at this time for my girls to get them involved in Star Wars than uh, than Rey yeah even though there's some problems with that character because she seems to gain abilities that she never had to work for and we don't see her grow and she's she's not a well developed character like Luke was and so, I mean, I still like the character, but there's, every time she does something like, well, where did, how did she learn to do that? It's kind of, it's grating a little bit. And especially even having, I mean, Kylo Ren, he's, he's entertaining, but he's not a scary villain because he can get his butt kicked by somebody who's never been trained. Uh, Kylo Ren's an angry fanboy. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's not the the threatening villain that we need him to be. So I I, w- I would like to see him just beat her down. You know, she needs to have a failing big enough. And well, I guess we're gonna have some gap of time. But I want to be able to see her seem like she's you know defeated and then have to grow and come back from defeat. That's what makes a good character. Yeah, so like I really want to see her, her lose. Like realizing her force vision wasn't what she expected. Yeah, you know, something, I mean, there's one thing, there's there's a difference though between making a mistake and being defeated and failing. Because you can make mistakes and it's no biggie, but having to fail and get knocked down and then get back up, that's well, what makes that, a good character. And well, she has and that to was, do that. Well, and, and I think that there were elements of that in The Last Jedi. But we are completely getting off track here, Jeremy. <laughs> 
oh, but this is good stuff. See, <laughs> so but this is the type of thing that I'm, I'm putting out on YouTube where I did have a thing where I because I really want to see Ray, Ray have a failing and come from a defeated place where she has to grow and become a more developed character and stronger and we can grow with her. And then we start rooting for her more than we ever have before. I'm like, yes, she's come back from a fall because why do we fall so we can get back up again? Yeah, I don't think anyone knows that better than Spider-Man, though. That's right. And oh, my gosh. Okay, now I, I let me pre- preface this because uh, y'all probably know if you've listened, I wasn't a fan of Dan Slott. And it wasn't that Dan Slott can't tell a good story. I just didn't like the type of stories he was telling. So I kind of stepped away. But I, I did pick up that last storyline, his 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 big kickoff, which starting with the, like the Red Menace to where uh, Norman Osborn gained the Carnage symbiote. Mm-hmm. I have those issues, and it, boy, wow, it's a good kickoff. And I don't, it's, it's been a while, so I don't know if this would be considered a spoiler, but I, do, I won't mention there is a, a major death in that storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it was passed over to Nick Spencer, and I like that between what, how Dan Slott kind of went out and what Nick, Nick Spencer has done is take all the things that I didn't like about what Dan Slott did with the character, they're putting it back in, in place and fitting things together and making it compelling to me again. And I am loving every issue I've, I've read, excuse me, I've read up through now, cause they've got a new number one, number one through 14 with Nick Spencer. And I really wish Ryan Otley would come back and draw some more. I loved his artwork. Uh, Humberto Ramos. I, I didn't used to like his artwork, but I, I, it's grown on me. I think something's he's developed as an artist and he's gotten better and I like him better. Uh, issue 14. I don't know who did the art on that one. I is. It's it's good art, but it's, I don't I don't know that the style fits for what's going on with Spider-Man. He has a very fantasy style. When you get a chance to pick up 14, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's it's mm-hmm. very it's an interesting art style, but I I feel like it would be better if he was drawing Dark Crystal comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot think of that artist's name, but oh, the art has been great and the stories have been great. We've got Mary Jane back in his life and 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 them together again. Uh, I love still actually having J. Jonah Jameson kind of getting in his way a little bit, and Peter Parker has now. Although he was he was like science editor at the Daily Bugle, he's lost his job for a big complicated thing. I don't want to spoil, but he's going possibly going back to school. They've managed to bring the lizard back where he has some human capacity. Because I mean, it was interesting when the lizard went full full lizard and ate his own son. But they're they're trying to fix that up to where now mm-hmm. by way of clone he's got his family back and he's able to switch back and forth and they developed something interesting that I don't know if you've gotten to see yet with that, but mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I am loving this so much. Well, I've got to say, and, and I know that this wasn't necessarily Nick Spencer's doing, but I really love the relationship right now between Peter and J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. You oh. know, Peter, um, let's just say J. Jonah now knows who Spider-Man really is. Yeah. And rather I need to find that than, issue because uh, I, I feel like I missed yes. out. I guess it was a dinner thing. Mm-hmm. I want to read that. And and rather, and, and that was actually in Peter Parker, uh, The Spectacular Spider-Man is where that uh, revelation came through. But the great thing is, is in many ways, JJJ is being the father that Peter never knew. Yes. He, well, he's trying to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not good at it, but boy, is he no. trying. <laughs> By no means. <laughs> By no means, but it is an amazing and such a unique and different take on that relationship that oh, you yeah. know, has been there ever since uh, Amazing Number 1. 
It's been so great. And I like even with in Spectacular Spider-Man, you have those moments where J. Jonah Jameson, he get, at one point, uh, he gets to see what the world would be like without Spider-Man. And he's just had that, the revelation of how wrong he has been to try to want to get rid of him. And like, wow, no, we really need him. So I'm going to make sure that he is out there and I'm going to do everything I can to support him. And uh, just... When you mix it all together with what they're doing in those books, although I guess Spectacular is gone, yes. uh, but now we have a new version of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man who came out with yes. an issue number one, and oh my gosh, something happened. <laughs> yeah. We got a new number one issue of Spider-Man. Oh, wait, yeah. that's not what you're talking about. Uh, some major story that I'm not going to spoil, but Whoa. I, somebody's going to start yanking our heartstrings around and uh, wow uh, tastes so salty bitter tears woo so yeah well ooh. you know overall I think we're, we're we're definitely seeing a new age for Spider-Man you yeah. know I I'm not exactly a big fan of Nick Spencer because of uh, the whole Hydra cap situation yeah. but uh you know he and the other writers and artists that are currently working on spider-man are really doing a lot to uh kind of reverse what happened with one more day to yeah. uh you know and we'll just have to see what's going to happen but you know even outside of spider-man there's been a lot of uh interesting stuff going on with venom um you know, going deeper into the mythology of the symbiote and where they came from. And no, they're not just on a planet out there, that there's some uh, real uh, ties to Earth as well. So, you know, good stuff happening overall. Yeah, I haven't been reading any of that. Uh, I've been seeing how they've been doing a lot more complicated stuff. But oh, but one other thing with the Spider-Man that I'm that's been making me very happy. I, I mean, granted, it's, it was dramatic, but... You know, Black Cat's always been like a partner. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like his best friend out there. And when they had to come back, that because uh, when Doc Ock had taken over Spidey's body and taken over the job, and he was brutal and apprehended her, because he thinks, oh, you know, Spidey's been letting you get away with too much. Well, I won't. And having him come back and trying to explain that to her, and her go full on Queen Pen basically is what she was. She mm-hmm. took over the underworld. I mean, she's interesting as a villain, but like, oh, that's not how I like her best. And seeing what they and I, all right, a little bit of spoiler here. They with uh, with everything that went on with we mentioned, like the one more day. Suddenly they had to wipe everybody's memory with uh, another thing. You know, he had because there was still the potential of people knowing uh, Spidey went with Doctor Strange and cast a spell to make sure that everybody forgot everything about knowing who Spider-Man was. But if Spidey reveals himself as Peter Parker, all those memories will come back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been they had this really great little team up with Spidey and Black Cat in a couple issues. And they have this conversation where Black Cat's like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I've been myself, but, you know, would, would kind of become more of a criminal again. I don't I don't feel like myself, but I feel like something's missing and I can't quite figure it is. Figure out what's going on. It's like something in my mind is not there. And so Spidey just unmasks and so like, you know, and this tear just comes down Black Cat's face. She remembers her best friend again. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yes, thank you. That was oh, it was poignant. I loved it. Oh, I love, thanks, as long as, as long as she didn't tell him that she was trying to save her son. <laughs> right. I love how they put her into the game like that. That was so Black Cat, the whole thing. Even oh, kind yes. of playing with, because it seems like it's still like that early on in their friendship. And I'd like to see her come back in the next game uh, to kind of, you know, she she has that way where she'll kind of play with him a little bit. But, you know, as, as their friendship develops, I mean, she's very, very reliable, really. 
and you can <laughs> trust her with everything. I mean, she's a bit of a thief, but you can trust her. And so I, I, I love that because Black Cat is one of my favorite female characters, probably because of her connection with Spider-Man. But uh, she's just so much fun. So, oh, that was so great. <laughs> but anyways, we've been gushing on all these like these comic books. We have uh, we haven't really gotten to our news, but we do want to do some tributes here. Uh, starting with Don Lusk, who was an anime animator on Pinocchio and Fantasia, and even Charlie Brown passed away at the ripe old age of a hundred and five. Yeah. Oh, he even worked on some episodes of the Smurfs. Yeah, Pre- very incredible career mm-hmm. uh, for for Don. Um, See, oh, let's let's go through this list here, because uh, wow, he uh, he he was he drew Geppetto's pet goldfish Cleo and Tuxedo Cat Figaro in Pinocchio. Uh, did the Arabian Fish Dance in the Nutcracker Suite for Fantasia? Uh, he did the Dog Chase in Bambi. He did the Mice in Cinderella. Uh, he even had Alice going down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. And then after he left Disney and joined with Bill Melendez Productions, he was working on A Boy Named Charlie Brown, Snoopy Come Home, Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, and 10 Peanuts primetime specials in the 70s, including the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. And oh my gosh, Hanna-Barbera, he's... He directed 136 episodes of The Smurf, uh, Challenge of the Gobots, which I guess I liked Gobots too. I mean, apparently, we're not supposed to like Gobots if we like Transformers, but I like them all. Pound Puppies, mm-hmm. the Adams Family cartoon series, and a Jetsons Flintstones TV movie. Uh, you know, I think it was probably that crossover thing that they're talking about before mm-hmm. he retired, actually, at 80. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the tributes that have come in for him, uh, Mike Peraza, who I know that you've spoken with in the past, mm-hmm. said that as with so many animation veterans, Don was as talented and was as generous to others with his advice and help over the years. He'll be missed, but his wonderful work will live on. Yeah. And even wow, there's even more stuff listed that he did work on Song of the South, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I think we've hit an anniversary for Song of the South this week. Uh, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty. Oh, and speaking of anniversaries, this is, uh, will be what is it like the 20 year anniversary of The Little Mermaid? Am I thinking right? No, no, it's no, 30, 30, 30 years. years. Uh, and I've even seen some pictures. There's some brand new uh, dolls that are going to be released uh, for a little more So if you happen to be a fan and you want to collect some some really neat looking dolls, uh, I, I, I don't know when they're going to be released. But I did see some pictures probably from the New York, New York uh, Toy Fair, which we're going to talk about that later as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Don Lusk, I mean, my gosh, I, I, looking at the list, Yogi's Treasure Hunt, Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Wow. <laughs> yeah, quite a career. Quite an wow. absolutely amazing career. So we appreciate everything he did, definitely. Uh, oh, but oh, look, and I'm going to let you start with this one because I just talked about Don Lusk. So get to who you get to talk about. Well, I'll introduce oh. this one by saying uh, it was about 20 years ago. I was in uh, I was at, uh, already in, in, well into my studies at college when my mom had been to Disneyland and she bought me a book which she brought back. And, you know, I, I opened it up and it was signed. I thought, oh, man, this is fantastic. Thank you, Mom. The book was an encyclopedia from A to Z about everything Disney. Wow. Written by a gentleman by the name of Dave Smith. Dave was basically the person who created the archive at the Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. Uh, he spent more than four decades at Walt Disney preserving all of the treasures from uh, film, from television to theme parks, and even beyond. He's a Disney legend, and unfortunately, Dave passed away this week as well. 
Yeah, and and uh, still young, really, at seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Comparatively, you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and Dave, you know, Dave really was well loved among the fan community. I think yeah. I've seen more outpourings of uh, condolences and you know just just pictures of him with other people on Facebook this last week, um, just as people celebrate his life. You know, I, I kind of felt a little bit sorry because you know a lot more has been made of the passing of Dave Smith, I think, than for Ron Miller. Uh, it kind of seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh. Dave, you know, but, you know, Ron, of course, uh, had a very personal relationship with Walt. Uh, but for Dave, you know, it's been, you know, Dave really was a, a fan himself. Yeah. And he really was a big part of the, the fan world as well. And he brought his knowledge and he brought his, you know, the things that he could share from the archive collection and brought them out to share with the public. And, you know, he had a, a uh, regular column in the Disney magazine, uh, Ask Dave, where he would ask five trivia questions. He could ride in and try and solve them and win prizes. Um, really, if there was anyone who knew Disney A to Z, it was Dave Smith. And he definitely is going to be missed. And I, I expect a few republishes of his book might be out and made available because there's looking at some of his books, uh, some of I like the quotable Walt Disney. I'd love to read that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Disney trivia from the vault and then the ultimate Disney trivia books. One, two, three one, two, and four three and four. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would totally get into those. Those would be so much fun. Like I need more books. But yes, I do need more books. <laughs> Wow. So uh, I'm. Uh, that's something. Jump on Amazon and take a look. See if you can find some of these books. And maybe some of them, uh, the publishers will reprint. I'm sure they were through Disney Press. I'm mm -hmm. sure they'll they'll repopulate a few of those and, you know, make sure the money goes to his family, I hope. Oh, so, yes. Most definitely. Oh, wow. But, you know, with, you know, with but when we lose people like this, we they're not really gone. They've just yeah. gone to where the lost things are. There you go. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of which. Uh, this maybe should have belonged in the news, but I wanted to be able to comment on on it in a different sort of way. But because we had heard long before that they didn't, the Oscars didn't have anything set up to perform a lot of the Oscar songs, and I think you even suggested it'd be interesting if they had the music play as they did a tribute for all the actors and actresses or whatever producers, everybody who passed away this year. Mm -hmm. uh, that had been pretty neat, and maybe they'll maybe they're going to do that, but probably not. But you know, the the interesting thing is we found out that Bette Midler is going to perform where the lost things go at the Oscar ceremony which I think Emily Blunt did a great job and I would like to see her do it but then again you know cool Bette Midler <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's, that's kind of awesome mm -hmm. well I'm glad that they found a way to include it into the show I mean they were talking of only having maybe two songs being performed if yeah. that and so uh, I, I'm glad that they're finding a way to include this as as part of their celebration uh and and recognizing it as one of the you know top songs you know from the movies this year. Yeah, even though I'm still probably not going to watch the Oscars, I got tired of watching these award shows long ago. Oh, you mean the 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 show where everyone gets to uh, stand up, uh, pat each other on the back, and talk about how their politics are better than everybody else's? Yeah, and virtue signal and everything else, and yeah. yeah. What happened to the days where they'd get up there, thank God, thank all the people they worked with on the film, and, and then smile and wave, and we're, we're, you know, we're thankful we saw them. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I think we lost those days, uh, you know, back when we lost uh, John Wayne and Bob Hope. Oh, oh, oh. the last one. Oh, my childhood. I remember Bob Hope always 
coming on with his little hat on and talking about his golf game. Uh, <laughs> I miss Bob Hope. So, oh, but uh, all right. You know, despite us having to go through a few events, uh, we do need to get on to the news, which is actually completely hold, hold separate. On, hold on, hold, 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 hold wait, on, hold on. I got, I got a, I got a box of Thin Mints and a box of Tagalongs. I got to get through here. Okay. Okay. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. All right, so this is kind of neat. I didn't know that they did anything like this, but there is Girl Scout weekends at Walt Disney World. Did you know anything about this? No, this is uh, news to me completely. But again, well, I'm glad I got my Tagalogs and Thin Mints uh, ready to go. <laughs> Which, um, oh, by the way, <clears throat> a little bit of a secret. If you have an Aldi nearby you, you can find the same cookies year round. Yeah, no, I was just telling my wife, you know, I can get keyboard variants of everything except for the Tagalogs. Yeah, and the Girl Scout cookies aren't even made from real Girl Scouts. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> Wednesday Adams was really the one who brought that to our attention <laughs> exactly so sort of like baby oil is not made out of babies why is that anyways <laughs> so uh this is uh, the registration has actually just opened uh they're gonna have girl scout weekends at disneyland resort in april may and june of this year uh and this is part of the disney youth education series they're gonna take girl scouts ages 5 to 18 go on some adventures through disneyland park that's supposed to be educational also through disney california adventure park but you're going to teach leadership and storytelling and culinary arts and marketing physics and music and apparently not cookies <laughs> so they're supposed to do a lot of hands you know hands-on stuff um if you go to the Disney Parks blog, they have a thing that says click here to register for the limited time experience. And so you could, I guess they mainly, they, I don't know if they mainly want parents or if they mainly want your troop leaders to come and set up, but you know, go and check out stuff. But I do like, I like this program here, what they're saying, because you know, teaching leadership and, and, and physics and music and storytelling, that's good stuff. And actually, if you go to uh, to Disney Parks blog and click on that link, it'll take you to all of the different uh, series that they have available uh they've got creating a leadership legacy designing a disney story discovering marine life conservation discovering the american spirit uh, disney culinary arts disney's approach to leadership and teamwork disney leadership strategies energy and waves physics lab um, everyday chemistry exploring careers in marine sciences exploring careers in the zoological sciences exploring the golden state introduction <laughs> to global citizenship Managing your personal brand, marketing the story of your visual brand, principles of animal behavior, properties of motion physics lab, um, sustainable practices in wildlife conservation, techniques of te teamwork, the evolution of technology, the science behind the seeds, and the science of Disney Imagineering. There's over 30 options, I'm sorry, over 20 options that are available through uh, the, these educational programs that Disney is offering. But yeah. you know, when it comes to Girl Scouts and camping, I could have sworn that uh, Shelley Duvall took Troop Beverly Hills out camping. Anyhow. Yeah, well that was Troop Beverly Hills. They weren't Girl Scouts, it was some other thing. But yeah, I guess Girl Scouts have maybe changed and you know, I, I hope because this is all good stuff. 
this mm-hmm. is good stuff. They're teaching the girls. But maybe, you know, you're looking for that camping experience as well. And so I'm going to talk to your troop leaders and say, hey, you know, I, I would I'd like for the girls to be able to go out and, 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 and camp and do things outdoors and be able to. Because it's nice to go and learn about it at Disney, you know. But oh, yeah. learning about it in an actual environment and going out and exploring a little bit. I think some girls would really dig that. There might be some girls who don't want that, but oh, you know, I, apparently there are some parents who really wanted that for their, their children. And I'm thinking, you know, hey, just talk to your, your leaders. I'm, I'm sure that they would like to go that direction. You know, give it a shot. Yeah. So well, you know, I've, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of good things, things going on. Oh yeah. So. Well, there's there's a few things I've been searching for uh, lately. Um, I, I left my uh, speeder park, or my speeder bike park somewhere, and I am just looking for my protocol droid. I think he hopped on it and drove off. (laughs) Which, you know, C-3PO is not a very good driver uh, on on speeder bikes. So, you know, know limited movement. (laughs) I I was just going to say, I know that he doesn't like, uh, you know, traveling on a starship. Yeah, but he's still going to pilot one. You just won't find him waiting in the queue line anymore yelling at R2. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting rumors we've heard this week. Um, Yeah that uh, Star Tours in Walt Disney World is going to have a little bit of a refurbishment. And part of that is uh, while the ride's still going to be taking on guests, um, we might be losing C-3PO from the queue for a short time. Yeah, temporarily. But this this comes from Chip and Company. Uh, this is the only place that I've seen this in this this stuff that you know this this information is supposed to have started here today, the seventeenth, as we're recording it. So if you're going, and you're not seeing him in this most likely in Walt Disney World. If you're not seeing C three PO, let us know and confirm this. Because I mean, I don't know where they would be moving him to. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless yeah. they're just fixing him up a little bit. Yeah, which which it sounds like is the case. I mean, yeah, Star Tours has been playing for well over thirty years at uh, at uh, Hollywood Studios now, yeah. and you know I'm sure that he's seen and gotten some attention during previous refurbs. You know, it seems to me like you know every once in a while they'll just cycle an animatronic out of the ride, uh, out of any re- given ride at any time, just to make sure that it's uh, fully repaired and taken care of before they bring it back on stage again. So. Let, I think this is what we're looking at because C-3PO has a very important role there as you're yeah. waiting in line and, and queuing to uh, get on to Star Tours. Yeah, so it's if it's if he's gone, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the speeder bike, we don't know. We just know at the there was a photo op in Walt Disney World with a speeder bike, which I don't remember seeing when I was there. I would have loved to have gotten this picture. Uh, it's been behind well, a barricade. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think we, for 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 our friends who have never been to Hollywood Studios. The outside of Star Tours is set to look up uh, like the forest moon of Endor. Right. You have giant trees. And, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And add that. And, and there, there's this opportunity for you to sit on a speeder bike to get your photo taken. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, not only have the walls gone up, they have now come down and it's been confirmed that that photo opportunity is no longer available at least as it used to be. So, you know, it's hard to say if they've removed that so that they can uh, include it as part of Galaxy's Edge, which, which I certainly hope guess. they do. Yeah. yeah, and it makes sense to me that that's what they would do. Yeah, and that's okay if you need to go over and it's not where you expect okay, Galaxy's Edge. I think it's going to be connected to Hollywood Studios anyway, if not uh, mm-hmm. Magic Kingdom. Uh, probably, oh, no, I think it's, it's supposed to be Hollywood, Hollywood Studios, Studios. Because that yeah. makes more sense. But if you happen to be at Magic Kingdom and you get the urge to go over there, well, then again, I don't know if it's... Uh, I, we, we did, I did see a list of everywhere it's connected, but the gondolas, uh, they have actually been doing some tests this week. 
yeah. for the, the Disney Skylander gondola. So they did some test runs over at Walt Disney World, uh, and it apparently running pretty smoothly. The last we heard, though, there is no air conditioning on these things. Uh, and, so and summer's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, looking at the uh, the test vehicle here, there doesn't appear to be any windows or anything. So maybe the heat's just not going to get in on this. Of course, well, I would like to have a bit of windows so I could watch things go by. It might be kind of neat, but well, it looks and, like and completely sealed. Well, this what they have showing here is the the vehicle is completely wrapped up in some sort of material. So yeah, you can actually see the vehicle itself. You're just saying it that it's wrapped up. Uh, yeah. But we've seen concept art for these. And, uh, you know, they will have windows. Uh, you will be able to see out of them. Um, okay. It's just uh, for right now, uh, until they actually unwrap them, um, they're just keeping everything, you know, that, I would say, well, yeah, <laughs> I'd say partly for secrets, but also probably yeah. also for cleanliness. Yeah. Um, you know, if they keep them wrapped up, they don't need to wash them down every day. Oh, here we go. From Disney's Hollywood Studios in Epcot to four resort hotels, the Art of Animation, Pop Century Resort, Caribbean Beach Resort, as well as the proposed 15th Disney Vacation Club property, Disney's Riviera Resort. So you can't uh -huh. use it from Magic Kingdom. But if you happen to be at the resort and you're headed out to Hollywood Studios to go find that that speeder bike in case it's been moved over to uh, um, Black Hawk. What the? Uh, oh, dang it. I forgot what uh, the space station is there in Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Batu. Well, Batu's the planet. Oh, Black, Spire Black Spire Outpost. Yeah, Black Spire Outpost. I knew it was Black something, but yeah, if you you want to see over Black Spire Outpost, if that if the speeder happened to be sitting around there, that you could still take the gondola from your resort. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I guess if this goes over very well, then maybe they'll be able to expand it. I'm guessing. And, and hit some of the other areas. But then again, they have so much good transportation. I mean, you can take that monorail pretty much nearly anywhere you want to go. Well, the, so. at Disney World, the monorail only runs between uh, Ticket and Transportation Center, Magic Kingdom, uh, the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, and the Contemporary Resort, and mm, Epcot. Yeah. You know, Epcot well, and MGM, or Epcot and Hollywood Studios are connected by a uh, boat system. So you can yeah. actually take a boat from the International Gateway over to just outside the entrance of Hollywood Studios. And the gondolas are just going to add a little bit more accessibility. But yeah. if this is successful, you know, they, they, they might be able to run a line up to the Magic Kingdom and a line yeah. out to uh, Animal Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, heck, when I was there, the only thing we transported on was a bus. So, <laughs> but you know, and even the bus system I found was you know really easy to navigate. Yeah, uh, I think I may have gone out on a you know a really light weekend or something, uh, from from what yeah. I've heard. But uh, you know, well, the bus you could, systems, you could ride on the back of a bird if you wanted to. You really could. You really could. <laughs> you might even be able to see a bird from way up there too. Yeah, Kevin is now appearing in his Animal Kingdom. Yes. Now, Kevin, you might recall, was the Large exotic bird from Up. Yep. Which they realized like Kevin was a mama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, there, there's a picture here on the Disney Parks blog of the Kevin. And basically, whoever is Kevin is... Okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm ruining the magic. I won't. But it's kind of goofy when you see because it's... Um, legs coming out of this fat yeah. body where there, there's no real arms or anything. Uh, there's these tiny little wings that maybe they can... I'm, I'm hoping that they can... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to just break the magic because this is what I'm, I'm imagining is the person on the inside is able to maybe puppet the head and puppet the wings around a little bit, maybe. I think he shares a, a lot in common with Big Bird from Sesame Street. Except for Only Big Bird has at least more... one workable arm. Yeah. 
and because the neck is longer than a uh, regular arm. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely going to have to be some sort of pulleys and and, yeah uh, and puppetry system that's in there. But yeah, Um, actually, the video that I've seen looks pretty spectacular of Kevin. Uh, I thought it was uh, video. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty convincing. walk around character that they have there and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of kevin at animal kingdom uh here for quite some time yeah especially you know because they have up has taken over the bird show i i would i would be kind of fun for kevin to come walking around into that i hope that's part of the idea well but you know what adventure right you might want to have some ice cream though while you're out there watching a show around walt disney world oh yes Uh, Especially, uh, and I I thought maybe for a while when I saw these, how neat it would be because the kitchen sink, if you order the kitchen sink, you get to keep your your bowl. It's a souvenir. Mm -hmm. However, these are not souvenirs. These are just small little ice cream cups that feature, you can get Mickey's shorts. So it's red and has like two yellow buttons or a Mm -hmm. mini where it's red with white polka dots. And these are the new ice cream cups. Actually, you can find at Magic Kingdom. So you can have your ice cream or I bet you can get a Dole Whip served in there. It wouldn't surprise me. I would bet. I would bet. In fact, uh, I've even heard of a new Dole Whip flavor based on Hey Hey from Moana, where it's yes. got like some different flavors mixed in over at, uh, I forgot what they call it, over by the Tiki Room. That's the new and area that you feel in. Sunshine Terrace, I believe. Sunshine Terrace. Yeah. So you, I'm hearing all kinds of good stuff about some new flavors over there that I would definitely love to <laughs> check out. Well, you know, and, and I'll admit, I, I've made no secret of this. Uh, we're planning on being uh, Walt Disney World annual pass holders this year. Awesome. I, I will gladly volunteer to test <laughs> these out. You volunteer as yeah. tribute. You, you can twist my arm. I, I will go ahead and I will sacrifice that I can make sure that, you know, these are edible and, you know, report back and critique how just how good they are. Yeah. But here, as a frozen treat, I, I bet you're not going to be interested in because neither one of us are drinkers. Uh, but the Paddlefish restaurant out in Disney Springs actually has uh, this new push-up pop kind of frozen alcoholic stuff that I thought was kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, I, had to I mean, up. some people got to get their buzz one way or another. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> just, yeah. With it being that sort of a treat, uh, just you know, I would I would go out with now the family, just go out maybe you and your spouse or whatever, to, to enjoy this because the kids gonna look at this as being an ice cream treat and gonna want some and you can't give him any, you know. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we can just you know go and track down some Flintstones push-up pops. Or yeah, them. something like that. I'm sure there'll be something around Disney Springs for them to enjoy. Yeah, but it's just, I, you, I, know, I you push cool. them up, you can pull them down, go up and down, you know. Up and down. Yeah, you can suck them and suck them and suck them, and then they, but they, they, they'll always get smaller. Sorry, sorry, Willy Wonka, we failed. They get smaller. Oh, that's true. But again, you, they go up and down. Up and down. Almost like an elevator. Right. And it could be terrifying if you uh, if you have to wait a little bit longer. Well, I, I don't drink, so those kind of are a little terrifying to me. So. Yeah. I like this, though, uh, uh, in the fact that, okay, so at Hollywood Studios, in case you didn't understand where we're, we're going, the Tower of Terror, they're going to do some refurbishment, but they're not going to close the ride down. They're just going to reduce the amount of working elevators. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take you longer to get through it there uh, throughout the spring uh, and maybe a little bit during the summer, but they should hopefully have it done early enough in summertime. They want to have this done before Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens. So Yeah. It's nice that you can still get on the ride. I, I kind of appreciate that, that they didn't close down the whole thing and you're still doing a refurbishment. That, so, and I've heard it really needs it because uh, I've heard some of the uh, bits of the effects 
going through the actual toilet zone, some stuff has just kind of been covered up or whatever. So it really needs mm-hmm. to get kind of spit uh, spit polished and shined up. So, well, and as the superior Tower of Terror, it does need a bit of a spit and polish to it here. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, and uh, it's the only uh, Tower I'm, of Terror now, isn't it? Or do they have one overseas somewhere? There's still one in Paris. Okay. We've still got the Tower of Terror in Paris. You know, however, uh, Hong Kong Disneyland has uh, the High Tower Hotel, which has a very similar concept and looks almost exactly like the uh, towers in uh, well uh, in Paris now and formerly in DCA before it got all uh, guardianed up. Yeah. Um, but, I guess their uh, galaxy's not in danger in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> you don't need guardians. <laughs> I guess. Oh boy. But yeah, I mean, it, it's good to see it get a bit of a uh, of a refresh. So we'll yeah. be looking forward to that too. You know, yeah. Also, speaking of pop ups, <laughs> there's your crossover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know they closed ESPN's zone at Downtown Disney in uh, California, right? Yeah, we heard about that a while back. Yep, that was part of the whole uh, uh, plan to close down that area of Downtown Disney and build a brand new resort. Well. The hotel has been canceled. Um, yeah. So now they've got uh, three large buildings that are sitting vacant. Uh, the old Rainforest Cafe, the old AMC Theaters, and the ESPN Zone. Well, no one Disney, and they don't like to keep uh, too much stuff empty for too long. They found a way to utilize that building. Yeah. And also cross-promote. Exactly. And really, you know, this 90 years of Mickey is kind of a, a good time to, to release this sort of a thing. Although apparently you are going to have to pay extra for this. This is a ticketed uh, event going on. But it's a Mickey and Mickey celebration where basically you're uh, going in doing photo ops. Yeah, uh, you can uh, <laughs> take a seat on Minnie's plush sofa or pose under one of her giant bows and hearts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty neat. And I have seen, uh, I guess it was mainly in some of my classes, we looked at some of this. There are places in some cities where you go in and you pay money to take specialized selfies. Like if you want to have money flung at you and take selfies, you can do that at these certain selfie locations. And you pay money like a, like you're going to a portrait studio, but you're just taking selfies. They're just creating an environment. And that's what this sounds like to me, except for you're getting a Mickey or Minnie type of environment. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mickey or Minnie, because of this ticketed, I won't be surprised if Mickey or Minnie happened to show up. Yes, so that way you can take a selfie with Mickey or Minnie. Exactly. In a really neat environment. Not that you can't do it in the parks, but this gives you even more options, okay? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Go with it. Go with me here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Oh, but this, I, you know, there's times I would want to visit New York, and this would be a week to visit New York because they had a big toy fair. They do it every year. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot more than all the stuff that I've uh, pulled up and looked at, but I tried to grab some of the more interesting things. Uh, And this top of the list thing, this is the stuff I promise you I will try to buy some. This is going to be a Target exclusive selling at about $9.99 each. A Star Wars retro collection. And their their first line is going to be Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia Organa, Stormtrooper, Chewbacca, and Han Solo. Now, I I, I see Grand Moff Tarkin in the picture, but uh, he's not listed in the first round. Probably second wave. Probably a second wave. Oh, wait, wait, here we go. 
Uh, so he says he's a character which has never been released during the original Kenner lineup. He'll be packed in the Star Wars Escape the Death Star board game. The game will cost $19.99 and it will not be an exclusive. Mm-hmm. So you now can't the, get Grand Moff Tarkin. You just have to buy that Escape the Death Star board game, which did you exactly. ever play that? It was great. I, I never did. So I'm, uh, I'm going to save up my $20. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm so, so excited for that. I didn't I, see this before. The great thing about this is this is, uh, you know, it's the same design as the original 1978 figures that yes. Kenner put out, you know, all that time ago. So, you know, these are the ones with the lightsabers that actually go up into the arm of the character. Yeah. And Except am, for it says Hasbro on the back instead of uh, Kenner now. Yeah. <laughs> which, which which is sad. But, you know, even, even the card looks like it's been distressed. It looks like yes. it's been around for a long time. Oh, I'm but, so excited uh, for this. But yeah, I'm, I I love those old figures. Um, you know, unfortunately, the oldest figure that I have is the uh, Rancor Keeper from Return of the Jedi. And, you know, he's really Funnily not that enough, good of a leaker. <laughs> Funny enough, I have a Rancor. Ah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> the whole vintage Rancor. So, we'll have to do photos of together if you get, when you come in for... Oh, by the way, we haven't mentioned. We need to mention every week. Planet Comic Con. Yes, March yes. 29th, 30th, 31st. Our panel will be on the 30th at 10.30. We're going to go over some of the artists that came from the Laughagram Studios and what they did after the business failed with Walt. So, Walt having an impact even when he fails. Uh, yep. Quick, quick little throw out there. Go to planetcomicon.com to find out how to get tickets here in Kansas City. So, uh, walk, but, walk, don't run. Exactly. Uh, because it's safety. Um, I did see some people on this. Uh, I think in the uh, Skywalking Through Neverland, there's people concerned like, well, but what about we, we like our vintage, our collected figures uh, and the value of them. Like, you know what? That's not even the concern. This is just I want these. Mm-hmm. Just to have them. I collect a lot of different little things, and we're going to talk about collecting things uh, here in a bit. Uh, just because I like to have them. I've got some Funkos that I don't take out of the box because they're like decorations. I like to put them on the shelves and be able to look at them. There are some things we just collect, some little toys that we just want to hang on the wall and admire them. My Funkos don't live in their boxes. Well, that's okay. If that's the way you enjoy them, you do that. <laughs> I keep mine in the boxes because I like that. I like if it's good packaging. If the packaging is kind of neat, it's I like it. Well, I don't know if we want to keep this next toy in the box, though. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd play with this one. Did, and did you watch the video on this? I I, I don't really want to jump the audio on here, but the video. I, was I, pretty- yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen the video. I've just I saw a Facebook post about it and uh, this article about it that uh, uh, we are looking at as well. Well, apparently it's on Instagram. Uh, it's I don't know who the actual poster was. It's like, oh, the toys you want is the Instagram uh, that someone has. And they got video and it's a Buzz Lightyear. And see, when it, with it walking, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it actually turns from hips and it's a walking Buzz Lightyear and he talks. And then at one point he'll go like, oh, no, danger. And he'll start to scoot back. Oh, wow. So that way he doesn't continue walking and falling off a table or something. He'll walk forward a little bit, kind of swivel his hips, and he's talking, we got to find Woody. Oh, no, Woody's in danger. And he'll shivel, shivel, shivel back and shuffle backwards. So it's really kind of neat because the legs are not really bending at the knees or anything. He's mm-hmm. just he's, he's swiveling and ends up kind of moving along. 
So it's that, that way it keeps it simple and it keeps the toy from becoming super expensive because if it was like this fully animated walking legs that they managed to do, that toy would be a, be pricey. But this, it's a very simple little mechanism and he just talks. And so they can retail it fairly inexpensively. Granted, this is Disney. They're going to sell it for a lot. Uh, but this is pretty fun. And yeah, I would take this out of the box and I would walk him across the, uh, the table. Totally. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to uh, to this ultimate walking Buzz Lightyear. Yes, sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, oh, did you see? I only saw photos of this. Uh, Pixel Dan has a video about these. Uh, but you might be familiar with Super Seven. They do. Uh, they've been making their own versions of some Master of the Universe vintage style figures. But they actually at the Toy Fair showed Masters of the Universe figures based on the 1987 film. Was it 87? Yeah, yep. I believe so. Yep. Yep. Although it doesn't quite look like Dolph Lundgren, probably because you'd have to pay extra to get his likeness. Quite possibly, but the Skeletor. Yeah, well, because he had stuff on his face, so you can, yeah. but these look amazing. Yes, yes, they certainly do. Only I didn't see Gwildor in there. Well, uh, you know, maybe they'll get one in there. I, I didn't see the little lizard guy, I don't think either, that breathed, the, the original figure, you know, they, they had where he breathed sparks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't live that long in the movie, really. Skeletor <laughs> gets sped up with him fast and shoop, he doesn't just call you a mutton headed moron or whatever. He just kills you in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, these look really cool. But, you know, if this comes through that Maddie collector thing, it's going to be, you know, these are going to be super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is well, why I you don't know, have any. <laughs> you know, I was at Target the other day and I saw these uh, DC characters that look like He-Man figures. Like they had a barbarian type of Batman and a barbarian oh, type Joker. And they had their own, it wasn't Castle Grayskull, but a Batcave that was set up very similar to uh, Castle Grayskull. They were made by Funko and uh, designed to look like they would fit in with the Masters of the Universe line. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I said, okay, I can get down with that. I might have to look into those. Because the only Master of the Universe type of thing I've been seeing any, anymore is over at um, Vintage Stock. I did see, and I think Super 7 has made these, but they are like, um, uh, I, I would say, like I think they're like bendables type of little Master of the Universe figures. So they're, they're not really shaped the same way, but they're the characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, for a very small, maybe uh, three inch, you know, about the size of a G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like three to quarter inch. These things were selling for like thirty dollars. Oh wow! For a very small figure, and that—that's oh Mattel. Mattel, I have issues with you and your pricing. You're gouging the collectors, and I don't think it's right. But one thing yeah. would would might be worth the price, although a Transformers are rather expensive. But how would you like to have a Transformer that uh, turns out to be the Ecto One? I would love that. Yeah, you know, I missed out on the Star Wars Transformer figures. This is something that I want. He's called Ectotron. <laughs> and he ain't and afraid of no Decepticon. <laughs> and nor any ghosts. Right. I actually do have one of the Star Wars Transformers. I won one in some sort of a Star Wars, I think it was, was a trivia? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember how I won it, but I've got a Darth Vader that turns into his custom TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. That I've not taken out of the package and played with because it's kind of cool that way. Well, I've actually come across a couple of the Millennium Falcon, which turns into both Han and Chewie. Oh, neat. Uh, and there was an Anakin one. It was his Jedi starship. Uh, there was also an Obi-Wan Kenobi that uh, changed out of his starship. And I think there was even an Emperor Palpatine uh, 
uh, made out of the Y-Wing, or not the Y-Wing, the uh, out of his shuttle. Hmm. Yeah, which the ones that are trying to look look human like that kind of look a little funky. Darth Vader, mm-hmm. though, the the picture of it, what it looks like transformed would be all right because he's yeah, you know, kind of got all the weird stuff on him anyway. <laughs> the other ones are a little weird when you you know they kind of like you know like Mega Maid from Spaceballs. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little little robotic looking the Han Solo, but well, it's still really neat. Yeah, but now that we're getting this, I want to know when are we getting a DeLorean transformer? Oh, man, that would be awesome. <laughs> you know, we need to have that. <laughs> well, we kind of did with the Mask series, because we had one that, well, it didn't really transform. That was Mask. That yeah. was Mask. Okay? It didn't transform. And it was it converted and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and flew. Well, it flew, so that's that's pretty close. Mm. Not a robot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not a robot, though. Um, uh, you know, I. but, you know, all of this talk about Star Wars, and I know we've got these toys coming in the spring. It's a Star Wars movie release here. Are we going to have a Force Friday this year? Not just Force Friday, but a triple Force Friday. October 4th, midnight. Well, one minute after midnight. October 4th. Yeah, they're going to have some new figures from the upcoming movie. Figures from this EA game, The Fallen Jedi, or The Fallen yeah. Order. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the Mandalorian series, we'll have yes. some toys. In fact, um, I know we didn't talk about this in our news section, but both the principal filming for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine and the Mandalorian wrapped up the same day this week. I didn't know the Mandalorian wrapped. I saw the yeah. Episode Nine wrapping. Yeah, yeah, it wrapped uh, the same day. In fact, cool. uh, if you go back during this week, you'll see that there's a Mandalorian helmet signed by all of the cast members. Oh, wow. Crew members. So, wow. So, sorry, that was a bit of a detour off of this. But, yeah, that's, you know, again, a good reminder that we're not just getting a new movie, we're getting a new series this year, too. Oh, man. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Oh, and and again, we know that. Oh, yes. Well, we know that The Mandalorian isn't the only uh, live action series coming to Disney Plus. Yeah, we got a little bit of information about, I guess it's just a mini series of Loki. And we don't know if this is a prequel happening later. Maybe somehow Loki is tricky. He might somehow be alive. Uh, or, you know, Loki being, you know, kind of immortal, uh, there's even speculation he could travel. How about this could happen a lot of different times? And who knows mm-hmm. what? But we know the showrunner for, for Loki will be Michael Waldron, who has been the showrunner for Rick and Morty, which I have never watched before, but I know is very popular. So. I'm sure there's going to be some good sense of humor and stuff going on with this series, but that that sounds like a probably a pretty good mix of things. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that works out. Yep. And once again, Disney Plus coming very, very soon, because I mean, Mandalorian and Loki and so much potential. You know, and only two and a half months until we know if uh, Loki's really dead. Right. We'll finally get. To, well, I don't know if they might not show him pop up. Who knows? Or, or maybe the Loki we've seen is a scroll. Oh, dude! There's so much weird stuff that can happen. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So many wild, weird, wild stuff. But st- speaking of weird, wild stuff, uh, I hear some some crazy things going on over in the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator. Give me that shovel. Come here. Get him, mama. Get that gator. Ah! Ew. The Neverland Trailer Park. 
Okay, so this is the movie we knew was coming, and I saw a lot of people going like, yes, the reaction to getting a look at Will Smith as the genie was not quite what it was expected, so Disney seemed to have hurried and <laughs> tossed this out. Because this, despite my thoughts on it, uh, I mean, that when I looked at it, there was already 27,000 likes for Frozen 2, which I would play the audio for you of that trailer, but really all it was was some music and not much for sound. It's a visual thing, what you've got to go for. Um well, granted, I, you know, I, I didn't think Frozen was really that good. I only I think I was able to hang into it because of Olaf and Sven were entertaining. I didn't find a lot of the, the stories that compelling. Uh, but one thing and I think I'm going to make a YouTube video. We do have like maybe first season episode. I actually went through with the song Let It Go and illustrated how Elsa was really kind of the villain. And if you look at it, Frozen is a redemption story. Yeah, in that aspect. Yeah, very so, much so if you take that, it makes Elsa a little bit more interesting. Well, the snow, uh, Elsa's the snow villain, so yeah, the Snow Queen was always the villain, right. In the original fable, yeah, and I think that's kind of where they went through. And if you analyze that song, it is a villain song. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to dive into that uh, and make another video because uh, because it's fun. And so we'll have a video kind of going through that. Uh, but you know, Walt doesn't like to do sequels. Of course, I guess we said that about you know Mary Poppins Returns. And that turned out to be good. So animated sequels like this made from the Disney Studios. You know, of course, we had Wreck-It Ralph too, but I I thought Wreck-It Ralph two was nowhere near as good as the original. So oh look, it's a sequel to a movie that I thought was just okay. So I'm really not excited. Well, you know. Frozen made a lot of money. Yeah, money. <laughs> so, of course, they got to make a second one for more money. But, you know, this opening of this, we see Elsa, who, for whatever reason, is attempting to uh, walk on water, cross the ocean or whatever. The whole time, I'm uh, the thought's going through my head, why don't you just make a uh, snow slide? Because we've seen, you know, Frozone can do it. Iceman can do it. I think we saw her kind of do a snow slide with uh, Anna in the original film. She kind of slides her along. Why doesn't she just try to get over the ocean that way? Or also the other powers that are unexplained, she was able to to kind of make her own clothing and she can even can make ice skates. Can she maybe, because she can make a, a good strong fabric, can she just make a boat? But you I don't know. Maybe so, I'm not supposed to ask not. these questions. <laughs> I don't know. So I, it didn't get me excited uh, at all. I'm sorry. Uh, people are going to be like, what? But it's frozen too. But I, I'm having a hard time caring. If we get to see what the story is and I see something about the story that to me would be compelling, I might get excited for it. But really, I'm like, I, I I thought the first one was just okay. I don't think it lives up to like Tangled. I love Tangled, and mm-hmm. Moana was better even than Frozen. I think they've had better movies than Frozen. Frozen, is, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it was just okay. It, it it didn't it didn't really click with me, but it did click with a lot of people, and so a lot of people are going to go to this, and so y'all are going to have fun. I will try to find some enjoyment, most likely in Olaf, because I like Olaf. Olaf's funny. Well, so. as long as Alan Tudyk's in it, I'm good. There you go. They got to find a way to put Alan Tudyk in there again. Somehow or another, he has to have a new character, which. Well, you know, we could all, well, you know, we could always find out what the Duke of Weaselton's up to. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, but the thing that came across to me is this is going to be a very different story. Um, this was a dark trailer. Uh, we'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it was a dark trailer. There's there's a bit more action, a bit more adventure going on with this. Uh, the very last image is Anna turning around and brandishing a weapon. So, yeah, yeah. So, we'll have to but, see what's going on. 
But yeah, at this point, the only excitement that really, if that makes sense to me, is that if there is a Frozen Two, would, would be enough to generate some excitement. But we know nothing of the story that I would would get me excited. Once I now know something of story, then that might get me excited. But uh, right now, as, I don't, we don't know anything. Yeah. Well, as long as Olaf is not going around looking for new traditions. Yeah. <laughs> Which was cute, but if I'd, I'd probably been better watching it on TV. Yeah. If I if I would have watched it at all, I don't. I might have because I like Olaf, but that's okay. Well, but you know, Hans, I am excited for. I uh, yes, yes. You were about to say something about Hans Christian Andersen being a great well, writer. Just, but, yeah, Hans Christian Andersen was a great writer. Did a lot of great things with fantasy, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd say that there's actually uh, you know someone who would lord it over him. Oh yeah, with uh, with several rings and then one ring to rule them all. And in the darkness, bind. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Tell me a story. It's a story about journeys. The journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about inventions. It's about potent magic. Magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before. About what it means to love and to be loved. About courage. It's about fellowship. So that was the trailer for a film I didn't even know was coming called Tolkien about J.R.R. Tolkien. And oh, my golly, this was really kind of neat because it's showing it's finding clever ways really to show how his life experiences fed into his imagination of what later would be brought into his fantasy world of Middle Earth. And so mm-hmm. that, hopefully we get to see some things that might be more familiar with the Cimmerillion. If you've read that, uh, I don't know. I, I'm also hoping that this goes far enough to where we get to see him meet C.S. Lewis. Ah, that would be really good. You know, um, definitely. I, I'm sure we're going to see some parallels between him and his wife and Luthien and Baron. Yeah. Uh, you know that, you know, his wife was very much uh, the inspiration uh for that saga but yes. um oh. you know it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see i know tolkien always said that uh you know the lord of the rings was not an allegory for world war ii but you have to admit with everything that they went through especially with his experiences in world war one it did feed into what became uh middle earth and oh, the yeah. stories and the legends that he created you know and i always find it just fascinating that the main reason he came up with these stories was to have a reason for his elvish languages to exist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because he was a linguist. Yes. So, yeah. And you know what? We're looking at this, I'm sure it's not going to be as factual as it could be. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of entertainment. It reminds me a little bit of The Man Who Invented Christmas, which I love I was- that film. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing, uh, yeah. which I actually believe is now on Netflix, so I need to check it out. Oh, you never got to see that, huh? No, no, no. Oh, no. It's, it is a great movie. It's It's got enough, I guess, facts of Charles Dickens, but of course it's very fanciful of showing mm-hmm. some of the things that, that may have inspired uh, oh, The yes. Christmas and, Carol. And, and good stuff. I believe the conceit is that he has his, you know, the movie 
dramatizes an experience where he gets his own visits from ghosts. Uh, yeah, pretty much in a, in a weird way. It's yeah. Uh, I haven't I haven't watched it since the theater. Uh, I didn't even. It seemed like it it quietly came out on video, and I missed out on getting a Blu-ray, which uh, I did see some DVDs that I wasn't able to pick it up over Christmas. But I do need to get a copy. But now knowing it's on Netflix, I may pull it up and watch it even if it's not Christmas because it was a very enjoyable film. Oh, and yes. So if, to- oh, if yes. Token is anywhere on that caliber, I'm going to enjoy it as well. To Disney and beyond. All right. uh, So we talked about collecting some toys and toys that uh, we were played with. Uh, I've got a little bit of audio from a fellow by the name of John Losh, who's a a guy. We we don't necessarily work together, but we both work at the same community radio station. Uh, Our shows used to be back to back on Saturday mornings, but uh, they've moved me now to Friday nights on 102.7 FM. KPGZ, which you can find us on TuneIn and hear us there. Uh, and I'm on on Central Time, 9 p.m. on Friday nights, playing some uh, some Christian rock stuff. But uh, he really wanted to come on the show and talk about stuff. And he likes to collect some Hot Wheels, although he doesn't have as near as much as what he uh, used to have. But he also likes to collect trains, and he really loves trains, which reminds me of Walt quite a bit. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to you know talk to him a little bit about that. Now this is only like a 16 minute bit of conversation that I have with him uh, but I do I talked to him for like an hour and the conversation wandered everywhere from Star Trek to uh, genealogy and all kinds of different stuff that's going to be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters of $5 or more I will get that uploaded for you uh, so if you were interested in hearing the entire conversation you can have it uh, but I've just got 16 minutes of it that I think would be it'll be interesting but to kind of help flesh out this conversation and you'll hear me talk a little bit about uh, some of the Hot Wheels that I had, but uh, let me get, let me get Eric started with like uh, I mentioned how my all my cars I they they had names and personalities and characters. I would name them based upon something of an attribute of what the car was. Like if it had a number on it, that was their name was that number. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know I, I wasn't coming up with Lightning McQueen there, but uh, that's what, probably why I enjoy all the Cars movies. I know some people thought, well, the first one was okay, and they didn't get into it. But to me, it's it was almost the world I created in my head with my own toy cars. Mm-hmm. So that's how I play with them. And I even, uh, if you look at the show art for this week's show, I had to go looking everywhere for this. But there was a 1975 Spider-Man car that I used to have, and it was kind of shaped like a spider. And it was a Hot Wheels. It was so neat. But I had that one, and of course, so that was Spider-Man. And I had some Batmobiles, and of course, those were Batman. And uh, but uh, and so they were all characters. And I even used to go through on the top of my dresser. I had a nice smooth uh, flat thing. I'd take everything off the dresser, and it would be like wrestling for me because I liked wrestling when I was a kid too. I would charge the two cars at each other, just let them loose, let them crash into each other and see which one got bounced off the edge of the dresser. And then whoever <laughs> fell off the dresser lost. And I would do a yeah. tournament with them. And I had like the, my, my villain car was this big like oil tanker and it was a heavy car. I mean, it was at least a pound or two. Oh, I mean, wow. It was heavy. So, I mean, it could blast a lot of cars off. But if, if you know, the funny thing is if I happened to miss, that one would get such momentum with just a little push that it would go off the end of the dresser if it did not collide with anything. 
And so it might go go off the edge of the, t- the, the the dresser and the other one still survived. I even had one time that it just kind of worked up. My smallest little lightweight car, which had a number two on it. It was this little tiny race car. And I had I had one time the tournament popped up where I had the, the big bully oil tanker and the and the and the little two race car were up against each other. And it got lucky because two didn't because it was so lightweight, it didn't get it, gain momentum and it would stop before it fell off the edge. But I missed with the collision, and that's exactly what happens. The oil tanker ran right off the edge of the thing, and the little two was left standing. I was like, Yay, little two. <laughs> so but that's that's those things I would do with cars. I've never been a collector, but I liked to play with them and they had personalities and stories and, and stuff like that. So I mean, did you do oh, anything yeah. similar? Well, you know, I never gave them names or stories, but, uh, you know, I really gravitated to the ones that looked familiar to me. You know, I remember one in particular I had. It was an orange Dodge Charger. Yeehaw. Exactly. And, uh, you know, never mean no harm with that one. Um, yeah. I also had, uh, you know, I've never seen Blade Runner, but apparently I had Decker's car from it. Huh. As a Hot Wheel. Um, you know, I didn't know they made uh, that because he kind of yeah. they, they, the cars could fly in that, too. So uh, I'm trying to remember what you it know, looked like. Looking at it, I, I could see yeah. that. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I just had the usual assortment of uh, funny cars and hot rods. And, um, you know, I, I had one Hot Wheels track um, uh. where it wasn't motorized, but you had to crank it with your hand. Oh, wow. And as you cranked it, it would shoot a car out. It would go up and uh, flip a U-turn and then come back. And then it would have kind of an X-junction. And really what you were doing was to see if you could knock a car, you know, if you had two or more cars on there trying to knock one out of there. <laughs> uh, also, uh, a big way that uh, I've got two younger brothers. And growing up, we had a, uh, a sandbox outside. Um and we would often just create little cities in that sandbox with yeah. hills and mountains and valleys. And we would just run our Hot Wheels up and down. We'd create roads and find ways. And I'm sure if we went out there and dug through it, we would find the mummified remains of hundreds of Hot Wheel cars <laughs> out there in that thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a big part of our childhood. It's a big part of my son's childhood. I think he's got more Hot Wheels cars than me and my two brothers combined ever had. Wow. Um and, uh, you know, he's got his own little track where, you know, you send the cars through a loop-de-loop and they jump. And, you know, it's it's one of those things of childhood. Yeah. And, heck, I even remember uh, talking about having a track where you'd have to loop them through. You remember key cars? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Used to love key cars. Basically, to, for anyone who, if you're younger and you don't remember key cars, basically you'd have a, this, like, orange key. Yeah, that you you would insert into the back of the car where there was a spring load and it would snap mm-hmm. in place and then you'd squeeze the key and it would launch the car. Yeah, it was yep. great. But we had like this. It was like a a drag race track. Mm-hmm. And but it had the little uh, key car things in the in the back of it. So you could you snap in to, to your key cars. Right. And you have a button to release the car. But it was neat. It had this marble thing. This is the thing my brother had and we'd play on all the time. Uh, but you, you the, the, the had this marble in like a stoplight thing. And when you, you'd have to set your marbles up and then you'd start it and it would click down red, red, red. And then a green marble would appear. And that's when you're supposed to hit the button. And uh, the, the little finish line had a thing to which, whichever hit it first. It would make a thing fall over towards whoever won. Mm-hmm. So we used to play with that all the time. But that was fun. <laughs> you know, that reminds me. um we also had the, a little place at a couple of them where um, 
it had a little car wash in it that you could send your cars through. Yeah. Um, one where you could set a car at the top and just let gravity do its thing, and it would follow a track all the way down. It would open, you know, it would flip open, and I'm, I'm trying to describe how it would open. Um, but, you know, it made it look like it was a little street with little shops and yeah. uh, different things as it would pass by. And that's the one that you'd have, like, the elevator where the car would roll in and you crank it up to the top exactly. and then you could drop it down. Yes. Oh. And then they had the cars that would color change. So when you ran them through the car, car wash, they would turn a different color. Exactly. Oh, such fun. It makes oh, me yeah. wonder, wish I still had some cars. I'd be sitting here on the desk, zip, zip, zip. I wish I still had at least my, I had my Batmobiles that were like, I had both of the movie ones. I had the 89 and then I had a Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have, uh, it's still in a package though now because I'm older, I don't play with the cars, but I have the uh, 66 Batmobile now. Oh, cool. Uh, and a little thing that's really neat. I, I actually, years ago, I bought the Tumbler as a Hot Wheels car. Cool. And uh, unfortunately, my son did get that at one point for himself. So (laughs) I no longer have it carded, but it was still a a fun thing, you know, and, you know, toy cars are, you know, they're just part of childhood. And, you know, as much as my son um, got interested in them, I think what really started it for him was I had a bunch of uh, the original uh, cars from the movie Cars, Lightning McQueen, um, Doc Hudson, all of those, which I ended up giving him for Christmas one year. And ever since, it's been all about getting as many Hot Wheels and match, Matchbox cars as he can. And which is funny because those cars vehicles were actually about, uh, you know, twice as big as the Hot Wheel version. <laughs> which apparently the Hot Wheels did make, you know, those cars. So, yeah. Uh, and actually, John Lash kind of went through the list of exactly what those types of cars were. And uh, I, I, unless we got something else we want to add, let's roll into that because this is going to be a very long show this week. So let's go hear what John Lash had to say about his Hot Wheels collection and some of the Disney connections with uh, cars. I've changed the theme of this so many times. When I first bought this house in 2001, this was all classic and muscle cars. So it was Hot Wheels, Johnny Lightning, Matchbox models, metal signs, hubcaps, you know, you name it. Um, and then this started out as all the different NFL teams, eventually went to all Chiefs, then it went to, you know, trains. Now it's getting more back to my diecast cars, and then, of course, my... Star Trek, Star Wars, NASA, you know, displays over there. Um, still got some of my train stuff, but I'm trying to move all the train stuff over there to that train wall, that, that area over yeah. there. And uh, so I still got some I need to take down and move over there and everything. And um, I actually have Star Trek and Star Wars sitting on the same thing. Yeah. Well, and then I people got... would be like shocked. <laughs> You're mixing them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And what these are like Weeble Wobble characters of Star Trek? Well, they're they're called uh, what are they called again? Uh, penmates. Penmates. I've never seen these before. Yeah, see, so okay, Captain I'm Kirk. Up here. They even got a Captain Kirk plate. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a Picard a little. My, my wife, my wife got me all these. So can you actually mount them on a pen? Is that I don't know. I've okay, never, never taken take it out of the of package course. and and tried. Can't never take them out the baggage. Yeah. So I've got. I've also got in this notebook. I've got a ton of Star Trek cards, Star Wars cards, Battlestar Galactica cards. Um, I got a whole box of them here. My goodness. Put them. Never even really been opened. Um, she and I started. My wife and I started collecting Star Trek cards back in '89 when Star Trek: The Next Generation first came out. 
and that was when we first got together. And so I got books, I got the boxes from my models up here, I got, you know, all kinds of stuff down there. And then she kept, uh, you know, it, the funny thing about it is, I love her, I, I do, but she, because I change stuff so often, I'll tell her, okay, like, I'm not collecting, like, Star Wars stuff, I'm just doing Star Trek stuff, and guess what she'll go buy me? More Star, Star Wars stuff. stuff. <laughs> you know? It's like, I want to slow it out. There's times I always want to say, okay, you go display that stuff somewhere else. And, you know? <laughs> she'll but I don't. The opposite and she'll get you just the well, or, or <laughs> even, even with my train yeah. stuff. Even with my train stuff, okay. When I first started out, I just wanted to, I mainly was going to collect the HO scale, which is what these ones that are uh, down here are. Okay, um, but then you know, so that was mainly what I wanted to collect, it's like HO scale stuff. Okay, so then, so but what then, does HO scale mean? Well, it's it's a size comparison. Okay, like come over here, I'll show you. This is O scale. See how big that is. And description, okay. horse and squirrel audio. Um, it's about I'm, that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really good with with, with uh, describing the scales, but it's it's pretty big size. Yeah, you know? it's so pretty good size. That's O scale. This is HO, so you can kind of see the size comparison there. But and and I used to be out chasing trains all the time. I'd be if I was off work, man. I'd be I'd be somewhere, you know, uh, either driving down by the 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 yard down in North Kansas City taking photos. I'd be taking videos. I've got almost 400 train videos on my YouTube page called Legacies on the Rails. Yeah, I think I've seen some of that. Um, like on yeah. Facebook, you're always having yeah. photos. And like, ah, I found yeah. this at this location. And yeah, and everything. But lately, with work and everything, it's like once I get off of work, it's like I, you know, I love my, I love what I do. I love it with Barnhart Security Alarm. I love it. But my office is in Grandview, and especially if I've been down there all day, it's like I want to get back to North River, and it's like I just want to really come home, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and chill out, you know, and everything. Um, plus, trains are harder to collect than diecast cars because you can't just go to Walmart and that usually and buy like train stuff. You know, you got to go to antique malls, yeah. thrift stores, flea markets, stuff like that. Um, model train stores, stuff like that. Diecast cars, man, you can go Target, Walmart, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, uh, you know, in any of those, you know, any of those type of stores and get, or you know, diecast cars. Yeah, or you I can also get those at, at uh, antique malls, flea markets, thrift yeah. stores, you know, stuff like that. So they're easier to buy, they're easier to display. Um, yeah, when I and, worked at a KB Toy at the Metro North Mall, like, mm -hmm. golly, 20 years ago, we had a guy who'd come in every week to see what new Hot Wheels came in, and he would have a list of what numbers he was looking for yeah. so he'd make sure he had every single yeah, see, Hot Wheels I'm, see, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a series collector like a lot of Hot Wheels collectors are. A lot of people just like to go for the different series. Well, I specifically collect uh, classic and muscle car stuff. So I'm collecting stuff from the, the, the time automobiles first you know, were created mm -hmm. up through like the 1970s. Anything after like about the 1970s. Every great once in a while I find something in the, say the 80s that I'm, I'm interested in. So because it was, they made it so cool. You know, like for example, the '87 Pontiac or the '87 uh, Buick Grand Grand National. That's a really cool '80s car. Or um, if it's like, because I know you got an A-team van over there. So if it's connected with something, you know. Well, yeah. Or well, I also collect <laughs> TV and movie yeah, cars. Yeah, you, got you know? to. And, and I used to have a whole collection of that stuff. Oh, hello, Kitty Cat. I didn't see you. You know, there. yeah. Uh, and uh, but I sold most of my diecast collection years ago in a garage sale, as well as my baseball cards oh. and, to help pay for one of our vacations. I didn't have to; I just chose to. You know, I mean, thought I'd never get back into diecast car collecting. Then got into the trains, but lately I haven't had time for train chasing. And like I said, because they're harder to buy. And so yeah. like when I when I did this setup, when I put this four by eight board.
board over my pool table. Um, I didn't put something. I didn't think to put something underneath it in the playing area, and so now the board you can't really see, but the board sags a little bit. So the trains <laughs> won't really run right on. And then I went out and I got stupid and I got these these things to support it to like make it like a bridge type thing. Yeah. Well, this is like my this is for my O scales. There's no way those heavy trains are going to work on this, so I'm going to have to put it back down. You know. Uh, down there and everything, but it was also trying to get my HO skill set in there once I found it and everything, so it's going to have to go through changes again and everything, so this has, I haven't had this running in a long time. It's just kind of sitting here in kind of a display mode right now. And I'm even thinking about moving, like, there's one of the, over there on my on my diecast display, there's a building you see over there. It's kind of a garage, uh, gas station slash garage oh, yeah, type thing. It. And I, that was on here, and I've moved it over there. I'm thinking about moving some of the buildings off of here to over there and have cars parked outside of them and stuff like that. So, you know, the trains are getting moved from, from kind of the east wall to the west wall now. And, getting, and I'm thinking about doing this wall here is diecast cars here too um that was a lot of train stuff and now i'm you know cleared those out and moving those over here so, you know i got police cars and ambulances oh, I, was and I, mean, I, had, I had like a, a 200 feet of track oh, really? we put it on the hill and then we make a ramp mm. and then we had our contest how far that they would jump at the end of the ramp see i was weird because all my hot wheels all my cars were little characters and so they all have personalities, and they were just, you know, instead of figures, I'd have cars, and I had a villain car. I had, like, an oil tinker who was a big heavy. He was the big bully car. And I even would be weird. I'd, on my dresser, I'd have this long, you know, kind of wide dresser. I'd clear off the top. And I would have, like, a tournament. And I would send them charging each other, and whichever one knocked the other off of the dresser lost. I mean, or the winner would be the one still standing. And I would set aside, okay, well, this one won and this one. And I would do tournaments, and I'd smash them oh, together. There's, to a, there's a lot of serious collectors that do YouTube videos on using putting hot wheels on tracks and doing well, we, we had it way high though and it was about i mean all kinds yeah. of, we put the neighbor's track with mine do you ever have one of the uh my grand i think it was my uncle's where it was the, like a little housing thing you'd put the orange track pieces in it and the little housing had these little spinning things with batteries so you'd, you'd set the car in there and it would launch them around like these these two turning oh, things yeah. like a you know it had a little motor so you'd put your cars in and launch them around the track and every time it would hit it so it would just be self-sustaining uh, every time it would hit it i kind of remember that yeah. i had that lionel train system was made in 1870 all original brand new in the box i threw it all the way mm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever I, probably the coolest car i wish i still had on my hot wheels uh, i actually had a, a spider-man car that was actually shaped like this spider-man it was like a spider you know it had all the legs and they, they had like these big eyes it was yeah i, I think it was the hot wheels huh. Um, it might have been Matchbox, but I don't. I would love to be able to find if they still manufacture it because now anymore they do a Spidey Mobile kind of car, and it's like it doesn't look as cool. But this one was like just a black. It was a black car, and it had like the legs were all coming out from the sides. So, no, but it was wow. it was. Like oh, it was a really neat looking car. It was a cool looking little car. Of course, it was Spider Man, so so of course I dug it. So have you collected any other of the Marvel? Um, no, that that one I think I I forget where I even ended up with that one. Because I was I was um, even just telling Tim I used to have a Spider-Man car when I was a kid. It was it was all well, black when I, when and it I had was, legs, mm -hmm. so it looked like a spider. And uh, when I, I was like when I was a kid, stuff. I was a big Marvel fan. But these days, I mean, my wife is more the Marvel fan than me. She's into the Flash and uh, That's Arrow. That's easy though. Right now, okay. Well, so. she's she's into that right now. So. Uh, but, but my son likes the Marvel stuff. He likes Spider-Man and Captain America and all this kind of stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, with the with the diecast, well, you said I got one of the Disney, uh, the uh, Cars. Yeah, cars. cars 3. Well, 
the uh, I visited. Uh, the reason I bought that Fabulous one, Hudson Hornet, cool, was because I actually went to a classic uh, car restoration shop in Kearney here recently doing sales calls before I went to do my show one day, and in their shop there, they've got pictures and some models and stuff like that from the guy that actually designed the actual Hudson Hornet, cool, as well as several other cars. Um, as a matter of fact, I've got his picture on here. Um, oh, I have that same one, the old 1960s Batmobile. I got one yeah. of those ones. Well, my, my, you ought to see my daughter's collection. She's got a, she's got a huge Batman collection. In I used to have like the 89 Batmobile, and I had a Batman Returns Batmobile. We, we started collecting together, and then when she got my her, cars her apartment, gone. she just kind of walked off with most of my <laughs> with most of my Batman stuff, and I was just like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> you go back, and you say, I am vengeance, and you take him back. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, I know what it is. Um, uh, Smokey Eunuch was one of the was one of the pioneers in NASCAR. Hmm. Okay, and he's the one that designed the Hudson Hornet and several other race cars that were driven. I mean, back in the early days of NASCAR um, and everything. So I went. So I since I was there, I kind of got fascinated with that story. I'm going to actually go up and do an episode of my uh, do a video. To put on my blog site, coolcarsusa.wordpress.com, one of these days in their in their place. I told them they'd come back and do that. But anyway, um, the uh, because I collect mostly classic and muscle car stuff, the the there's most of the Disney cars characters are based on actual classic cars. Yeah, um, like all got, the Radiator Springs. Characters. Yeah, well, you got like Chick Hicks was the '87 Buick Grand National that I told you about earlier. Mm. Um, it's my friend Jeff sending me something here. He's the guy who's, uh, I'll have to look at that video later. He's the guy that's hosting the uh, thing at Papa's Coffee Express we're doing tomorrow. Um, Flo was the 1957 Cadillac Eldorado. Tow Mater, uh, the tow truck, was a 1951 Intern Harvester L170. Mm. Um, the Luigi was a 1959 Fiat 500. Uh, Strip Weathers, 1970 Plymouth Superbird, uh, with the Richard Petty uh, paint screen. Hmm. Uh, Guido's, 1958 Izetta. Uh, Sarge was a Willys MB Jeep. Mario Andretti on there was a 1967 Ford Fairlane. Fillmore was a 1960 Volkswagen Transporter bus. Tex Dynaco was a 1975 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Uh, the Sheriff was a 1949 Mercury 8 police car. And Ramon was a 1959 Chevy Impala lowrider. Oh my goodness. Uh, cars 2. Glenn McMissile was an Aston Martin D85, same car from right. one of the James, James Bond, Bond movies, okay. which was awesome. Yeah, David Hubscap, uh, 53 Coombs, lightweight Jaguar E-Type. Uh, Grimm, 1973-74 AMC Gremlin. <laughs> uh, Mama Topolino, 1963 Renault Dauphine. Uncle Topolino, Fiat 500 Topolino. Professor Zundap, 57 Sundap Janus. Acer was a 1975 AMC Pacer. My wife has had a Pacer in the past. Jeff Corvette, uh, Chevy Corvette C6R. Uh, Daryl Car Trip, of course, based on Daryl Wall Trip of NASCAR. Uh, 1977 Chevy Monte Carlo. Brent Must- Mustangburger, uh, 66 Mustang Coupe. Uh, Flo again, 1956 uh, Pontiac Club Demur. Lizzie was a 1923 Ford Model T, yeah. and the Queen Rolls Royce. The Queen was a Rolls Royce Phantom Four. Do you happen to find out like a oh, um, oh, 
they they have a statue of him in the middle of Radiator Springs. It was supposed to be like Lizzie's uh, old dead husband. Mm, no, I can't think of I don't, what he's called. But you didn't find out what he was type mm, of old car no. he was uh, from Cars Three. Uh, Rod Runner was a 1970 Plymouth Road Runner, and Sarge, uh, of course, it also had Sarge, Ramon, and Tomater that we yeah. already mentioned in there. Um, it, Hot Wheels does a huge amount of Disney stuff. Um, if you just re- if you just get on the internet and you search Disney Hot Wheels, you'll find things like the Night Bef- Nightmare Before Christmas five car set, wow. uh, the 2000 Target exclusive Disney Toy Story two NASCAR three pack, uh, the Disney 90th Anniversary Collection. Uh, the 2018 pop culture set that includes Snow White, Fantasia, Jungle Book, Peter Pan, and 101 Dalmatians. Hmm. Uh, 2018 Disney character cars, Mickey Mouse, Frozen, Winnie the Pooh, The Witch from Snow White, Mike from Monsters Incorporated, and The Night Before, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, 2018 50th Walt Disney Mickey Mouse Entertainment Series 8-car set. Uh, 2018 Avengers Walmart exclusive 8-car set. Um, I think they made the Mickey Roadster Racer set in conjunction with Fisher Price. Yeah, I'm I think I've seen sure the Fisher Price sets. I, I'm almost sure Hot Wheels made of that those. Roadster series. Um, and of course, they make uh, cars and ships based on Star, Star Wars, Wars, yeah, and Star Trek. Matter of fact, I've got a couple of the uh, the Star Trek Hot Wheels here. Uh, the recent USS Enterprise and the more recent uh, Star Trek movies. Um, uh, the J.J. Abrams movie, right. I should say. And then this is the uh, USS Vengeance here. I just picked that up this week. Which so, I have never heard of the Vengeance. Yeah, well, it was, if you look if you look on my Facebook, I posted a link to, uh, to the, um, the fandom site that talks about the USS Vengeance. Hmm. When I posted the picture of this, I posted a link to the, to, so that people know what the USS Vengeance is. Um, and then, um, uh, when I was a kid, I had, uh, well, first of all, I grew up watching The Wonderful World of Disney. Of course. Um, I watched The Mickey Mouse Club, and like Tim said earlier, my first crush was Annette Funicello. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.
brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 